So as you guys know, Pastor Dan is on sabbatical. He's getting some time to rest and recharge his batteries, which is, uh, which is really an amazing thing. Like, I did not know churches still did that. It seems like every other pastor I know just works till the bone falls off. Um, so with Dan being gone, though, I want to introduce you guys to a Pastor David Drum. Um, Dan's asked him to come and to fill in today for us. And Pastor Dave has worked full-time for Unity with Christian Church since 2011, and he's been the lead pastor of, of uh, Community of Hope. He also works with uh, Ford Tucson as a church domain director. He's authored several books, and he founded J17 Ministry to unite the body of Christ for a divided world. So can you guys please give a warm welcome to Pastor Dave? Well, it's an honor for me to be here with you this morning. I'm excited to share with you. Um, when Pastor Dan asked me, uh, we went to coffee together a few months ago, and he suggested maybe I could come out and fill in for him, and I was just excited for that opportunity. So um, I'm. Uh, let's just dive right in. Buckle up. Okay. So let's uh, let's talk about Thursday night. Not this last Thursday night, but the Thursday night, Maundy Thursday, Thursday night, the Thursday before Jesus went to the cross. What happened that evening? Well, the evening started with Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. That was a surprise to all of them. They were not expecting that at all, but it started with Jesus serving And later on that evening, Jesus gave a new command. In fact, um, I grew up in the church, and our church celebrated Maundy Thursday as a service on a regular basis. That was part of our tradition growing up. I don't know if I'm the only kid who thought, why do we have a church service called Monday Thursday? Makes no sense to me why we would have a service called Monday Thursday, and which day of the week would it be on anyway? Um, But uh, it's not Monday, it's Mondi, and it's a Latin word for mandate, um, which is the command that Jesus gave. And I want to read it for you. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus gave that new command on that Thursday night, He gave it more than once. It shows up in John 13, shows up again in John 15. And the evening ended before he went to Garden of Gethsemane and all of those events took place. Before that, Jesus prayed John 17 and he prayed the command that he gave. So we want to talk this morning about how can, what kind of prayer was that? It's the longest prayer of Jesus recorded anywhere in the scriptures, John 17. And um, I want to read a few verses of it for you just to get us warmed up. So John 17, I'm going to read verses 20 to 23. My prayer is not for them alone. That would be the disciples who were gathered there with him. I pray also for all of those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, 
so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We often talk about the Lord's Prayer, and most of us, when we think about the Lord's Prayer, we're thinking about the prayer that Jesus taught. Well, this is the Lord's Prayer that he prayed. And we want to study that prayer a little bit here tonight, because it's actually, this tonight, this morning, one of those, yeah, <clears throat> like it's Monday, Thursday or something. <clears throat> um, we want, to, uh, we want to look at that prayer because it's a theme all throughout the New Testament. This idea of us being one so that the world would know is actually in 23 out of the 27 books of the New Testament. It's a major theme, and yet we have a tendency to overlook it. I have become convinced that it's Jesus' strategy for fulfilling the Great Commission. So it's worth our time and attention. So we're going to go through the prayer twice. Um, The first time we're going to ask what kind of unity is Jesus praying for? And then the second time we're going to ask the question, how does that unity happen? And then we'll end with a couple of practical applications. Sound like a plan? I'm glad you think so because that's the plan. So, all right. So John 17 Um, unity's description. Um, In verse 11, Jesus says, I pray that that they would be one as you and I, Father, are one. Well, where was Jesus when he prayed that? He was probably in the upper room. It's possible that he was on his way through the Kidron Valley over to the Garden of Gethsemane, but we know where he was. He was in a singular place in time. Where was the Father when he prayed that? everywhere because the father was spirit jesus was locked into time and space the father was not so it's not he's not praying for uniformity he's praying for unity he's not praying that we would all be alike he's praying that we would all be aligned he actually loves the diversity within the body and it's part of the power of it Um, Ten years ago, when I was working with Fort Tucson um, as the church domain director, I got a phone call one day from Apostle Warren Anderson, pastor of Living Water Ministries here in Tucson. And he said, "Um, I've got something I'd love to talk with you about, Dave. Um, It seems to us, and I knew that he meant by us, fellow African-American pastors in our city, it seems to us that there was a lot more prayer going on for the president when it was President Bush than in these last four years when it's been President Obama. Could we talk about that? That was his request. Well, um, there is this filter in our heads that prevents us from saying every thought that crosses our mind. And thank God the filter kicked in Because I had all kinds of defensive comments that were going through my head. But what came out of my mouth instead was, that sounds really important. Let's do that. And so we got together six 
African-American pastors in our city and six Anglo pastors. And really the question was, is our unity in Christ sufficient that we could talk politics and live to tell about it? And the answer has been a resounding yes. That group became known as Pastor Partnership and we have been meeting together every month for the last 10 years. We've become dear, dear friends and we, we have each other's backs. And it's, it's a unity in diversity that was so impressive that actually the Arizona Daily Star ran a whole feature article on pastor partnership about seven or eight years ago because it's just so unexpected. That's what the, Jesus is talking about. It's not uniformity. It's unity. It needs to cross through all the boundaries of denomination, of ethnicity, of geography, of generation, all the ways that the church tends to divide up. Jesus wants to bust through all of those, and a united church will capture the attention of the world. So the first thing we learn about it is it's unity, not uniformity. The second thing that we learn is that it's a public unity, not a private unity. Down in verse 15, Jesus prays that um, that he he says, I am not praying that you would take them out of the world. And then later on in verse 18, he says, I'm praying actually that you'll send them into the world. So the unity that Jesus is praying for is not just a private unity that shows up in the four walls of the church, but it has to be bigger than the local church. If it's going to capture the world's attention, it's got to be bigger than just what happens in here. All the cars driving down Hardy will not have a clue what's going on inside this building unless our unity is public and captures their attention. So one example of that would be church school partnerships, where a church comes alongside a public school and says, how can we pray for you and how can we help? I don't know what the numbers are today because there's no one who's keeping track of it. But a few years ago, we were up to 80% of the public schools in the Tucson metro area, 80% of them had been adopted by a local church. That's phenomenal. That makes such an incredible difference. It's a serving church that goes out into the world and it captures the world's attention. Again, when I was working at Fort Tucson, I got this phone call one day from the program director of Department of Child Safety. Um, Department of Child Safety used to be known as Child Protective Services, CPS. So Department of Child Safety director calls me up and here's what she says. These were her exact words. We've heard how your churches have adopted schools. Would you consider adopting us too? This is Department of Child Safety. This is the government calling the church, asking if the church would consider adopting them. And her words were, because we're a mess and the government can't fix it. Now, how incredible is that, that we would get that kind of a phone call? And so that led to the birth of Care Portal. Care Portal is a partnership between the local church and Department of Child Safety, where when there's a family in crisis, the church that is nearest to that family 
gets the email that says, here's what the needs are. And if the church commits to pray for the needs and if they can possibly help, to help with the needs. Are you familiar with Care Portal? Nope? Okay. So when it first started, the Department of Child Safety hoped that maybe 50% of their requests would be met by the church. To date, 72% of the requests have been met by the church. 100% of government caseworkers have rated it five stars. There's thousands of ratings. They're all five stars. And over 4,000 children in Pima County have been served by the local church at the invitation of the government. That's pretty remarkable. That's a public unity that is changing our city for the better. So it's a public unity, not a private unity. Third thing that we learned shows up down in 17. It's a substantive unity, not a spineless unity. What I mean by that is verse 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by the truth, Jesus prayed. Your word is truth. So Jesus talks about truth right in the middle of this prayer for unity. Um, Have you ever heard the saying, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere? Have you heard that? Is that true? That is absolutely false. Um, You would think that you would never hear that again after 9-11. Because if 9-11 is anything, it's the product of sincere belief. Somebody's willing to commit suicide over their belief. They believe it sincerely. So it matters a great deal what we believe. So truth and unity for Jesus are on the same team. This isn't a unity that bypasses Jesus. This is a unity that is centered in Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is what unites us. So we're not trying to say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. This is a unity that is deeply centered in Jesus. All right, so it's substantive, not spineless. Number four, there's five of them. Number four, it's a timeless unity, not a time-bound unity. That's the verse I read just a few minutes ago where Jesus says, I'm praying not only for those who are here with me right now, but for all who will ever believe in me through their name. Well, who's that? This is where your hands go up in the air. We are the ones that Jesus was praying for. It's the only place in the New Testament where it specifically says that Jesus is praying for us. And what is he praying? That we would be one as he is one with the Father. He says it four times in the prayer. You can't miss it. And then finally, we find out that this unity is not the end goal. It's the means to the end. Because in verse 23, he says, May they be brought to such complete unity that the world would come to know who Jesus is and how much God loves them. I've been married for 34 years. We have four kids and two grandkids. And there's nothing that my wife and I pray for more about our kids than that they would come to know who Jesus is and how much God loves them. Well, did you know that that's a direct quote from verse 23 of John 17? May we be brought to such complete unity 
that the world would come to know who Jesus is and how much God loves them. The degree of our unity is the degree to which our city will come to know who Jesus is and how much God loves them. So let me tell another story. I've got lots of stories. So um, when we were starting the church school partnerships in TUSD, we went to the superintendent and said, how can we pray for you and how can we help? And once the district, and as you know, TUSD is a mess. And it's been a mess, I think, since Jesus came the first time. It's been a... It's been a mess for a long time. Um, And so once they became convinced that what we really meant was how can we pray for you and how can we help? (laughs) In other words, we didn't have an ulterior motive. We weren't there to try to tell them how to run the district. We were just there to say, how can we come alongside? You care about kids. We care about kids. How can we help? They opened the door to the district to us. And so we had monthly meetings for years, and we're hoping that those monthly meetings are going to start back up again here pretty quick. But we had monthly meetings for years with all of the department heads. And that first monthly meeting that we had with the department heads of TUSD, there, was, there were two women, but one in particular, whose body language was just screaming, get these Christians out of this room. She was not happy that we were there. Her hands, were, her arms were crossed. She was leaning back. She had a deep scowl on her face. I was worried she was going to break her face. She was so upset that, that we were there. So um, the end of that first meeting, she threw down a challenge. She said, okay. Her, her area of work was dropout prevention for the district. And so she said, I've got one for you knowing that we would not be able to meet this need. She said, I've got a family that has 10 kids. The dad's in prison. The mom ought to be in prison. They need this. 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 What can you do with them? So my colleague who directed the education domain lined up three churches just to help serve this one family. And so we gathered three churches full of people to help serve this one family. And the next month we come back and say, okay, there you go. Next? Not really. We didn't do that. Uh, We weren't rude, but we, we met the needs. A couple months later, she says to us, how come every time I ask my district, my own district for help, the answer is always no. But every time I ask the church for help, the answer is always yes. That's a pretty good reputation for the church to have. So fast forward to the end of the school year, and she and this other woman, my colleague had baked cookies and muffins and everything to bring to them just to express appreciation. These two women said to us, you know, our jobs are so hard and we don't get much resources and we don't have much respect and on and on and on. Um, the best day of the month is the day you Christians show up. How cool is that? Now, she knew who we represented because she called us you Christians. <laughs> so, so we weren't subtle in who we were representing at all. Um, but the best day of the month is the day you Christians show up. Okay? So next school year, we're back. <laughs> 
And we started doing these church school partnership trainings. And they were very Christian in their nature. We would start with a worship band. And she came to one of them. And so she sits through the worship. She sits through the training. At the end of the morning, she comes up to us. Tears are running down her face. And here were her words. She said, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know how to find words to describe what my problem is. But here's my problem. It's like I've got this hole in my heart. Those were her exact words. It's like I've got this hole in my heart. And when I'm around you Christians, it gets filled up. But my problem is, I don't know how to sustain it after you leave. Could you help with that? So I said, well, I'm really busy. No, I didn't say that at all. I mean, are you kidding? What kind of pastor wouldn't live for that kind of an opportunity? So my colleague takes her to lunch, shares the gospel with her. Her life is radically transformed. She ended up retiring from TUSD and moving to San Francisco and started church school partnerships in the Bay Area. Is that not an incredible impact? And all of it is directly related to Jesus' John 17 prayer. Because if it wasn't for the unity of the church, we never would have gotten in the door in the first place. And if it wasn't for the unity of the church serving the needs, she never would have paid any attention to us. And she was not going to darken the doors to our, of our churches. We could have any number of different welcome signs out front. She's not coming in. Unless the church goes to her, she will never find the church. But the church went to her, and now we'll get to experience heaven with her. That's what Jesus is praying for. May we be brought to such complete unity that our city around us will come to know who Jesus is and how much God loves them. Now, that's a little bit about the kind of unity that Jesus is praying for. I want to quickly walk through the prayer one more time and ask the question, how does that unity happen? And even though there aren't slides up for you to see, I think you'll be able to remember this. Maybe there will be for this part, I'm not sure. So there's four different petitions in the prayer. There's only four things that Jesus prays for. And this won't make sense now, but it will by the time I'm done. The first three are how you get the last one. Okay? So here's the first petition. Glorify the Son. That's the first petition. Say it with me. Glorify the Son. So the, that's where unity starts, is by lifting up Jesus. When we started Pastor Prayer Summits here in Tucson back in 2009, I'm getting ready tonight to drive up to Phoenix. We're doing pastor prayer summits up in the Phoenix area as well. Our ministry is helping to lead those. Um, pastor prayer summits, that very first prayer summit, we, there were about 20 of us, very, very different. Different ethnicities, different denominations. We didn't have much in common except Jesus. And when Jesus was lifted up, just like he promised, he drew us all together. And we went up the mountain, up on Mount Lemon. We went up the mountain, strangers, and we came down friends. And it's all because unity starts by glorifying the Son.
That's where unity starts, lifting up the name of Jesus. It's true not only in the church, it's true in our marriages as well. If you ever, um, how many of you are married? Okay, good number. Um, Do you ever see crossways with your spouse? Hypothetically speaking, of course. That probably never happens here in this church. But in other churches, there's times where people don't always get along perfectly with their spouse. And um, when that happens, if you just ask the question, what would glorify Jesus? Half of the conflicts go away. Because half of the conflicts are about what would glorify me. So all I have to do is reframe the question, what would glorify Jesus in this conflict that I'm in? And half of the conflicts get solved just by asking the right question. So that's where unity starts. Glorify the Son. Second one, protect us from the enemy. Say it with me. Protect us from the enemy. So the second petition that Jesus prays in John 17 is that we would be protected from the enemy. There is an enemy who is constantly striving to divide us up. That's his chief strategy, is divide and conquer. He'll try to divide your congregation. He'll try to divide you from your spouse. He'll try to divide you from your kids. He's constantly trying to divide and conquer. And he'll use any trick in the book that he can to get us to divide and conquer. That's his strategy. So Jesus said, if we want to see unity happen, we need to be praying, protect us from the enemy. Make sense? Um, There's there's a a verse in Revelation that says that the, the accuser, Satan, lives before the throne of God 100% of the time offering out accusations against believers. That's what he does 24-7. Don't listen to them. And worse yet, don't speak them. Don't be the one who's articulating those accusations against fellow believers, whether it's in our family or in our church, citywide. Protect us from the enemy. Okay, what's the first one? Glorify the Son. What's the second one? The third one is sanctify us in the truth. Okay, say that with me. Sanctify us in the truth. Okay, so I want you to think back to the last two or three conflicts that you were a part of. Everybody got something? Everybody thinking of something? Last two or three conflicts that you were part of. What's the common denominator in those conflicts? You were. Because you were in them, right? You were in every conflict that you were in. (laughs) Kind of by definition. So it's not just the enemy out there that we need to be praying prayers of protection from. It's the enemy in here. We're part of the problem. So Jesus says we need to be praying, sanctify us in the truth. When we, when, when we grow in the truth, we mature. We learn from our mistakes. We learn from the last conflicts. We don't bring all of our problems with us. Sanctify us in the truth. Make sense? And then the last petition is make us one. Um, the last petition says make us one, and that's in there all through the prayer. It's all over the place in the prayer. Make us one. Unite us. Now, 
The reason I had you say those out loud is check this out. Go to the next slide. It's the GPS for unity. And I didn't have to make that up. (laughs) All I did was notice that it's the roadmap for unity. Glorify the Son, protect us from the enemy, sanctify us in the truth, and that's how he will make us one. That's how he will unite us. Isn't that cool? It can change the way you pray. It has changed the way I pray for my wife and for my kids. Jesus, would you be glorified? I'm going to spend time with my unbelieving daughter tonight up in Phoenix. And so my prayer is, God, would you glorify, would you be glorified in that conversation somehow, some way? I don't know how, but somehow, some way, would you be glorified in that conversation? Protect our conversation from the enemy who would try to get us at, at crosshairs with each other. Protect us from the enemy. And God, sanctify me in the truth. Um, help me to grow. Help me to mature. Help me to take the high road no matter what happens in the conversation. And then make us one. Unite us. God, help our love for one another to grow even stronger as a result of that time. We, that's, that can change the way you pray. So we've talked about what kind of unity is, um, is Jesus prays for, and we've talked about how that unity is achieved. How can we be the answer to Jesus' prayer? I have three suggestions for you. They're very, very simple. The first one is pray it. Pray the prayer right alongside Jesus. The GPS acronym can help you. There's people um, all over the city that are praying GPS on a regular basis because it's just the word. All we're doing is praying Jesus' own word and joining him in it. So I encourage you, pray the prayer along with um, your, uh, the other ways that you pray. Make it a part of your prayer life. Second one, read and study it. Grow in your understanding of Christian unity. There's a couple of books recently that have come out just in the last couple of years. Francis Chan wrote a book called Until Unity that is phenomenal. Our staff in J17 Ministries has studied it together over this last year. Francis Chan, Until Unity. Andy Stanley, just within the last couple of months, put out a book called Not In It to Win It. And both of them are talking about Christian unity. Um, And then I've written a few that are out on the table that you're welcome to take a look at if you're interested as well. There's lots of good resources. So encourage you, grow deeper in your understanding and appreciation of Christian unity. And then finally, live it. Live it out. Find ways to partner with other believers in our city, whether it's in a service activity like church school partnerships, or Care Portal, or whether it's um, some other way. We have a weekly newsletter that um, we publish through J17 Ministries that's free, comes out every Tuesday, and it just lists different things that are happening in our community and ways that you can be involved if you want. So I've got a sign-up list on the table. If you'd like to get that in your email inbox, it comes every Tuesday. Um, That can be another way of answering Jesus' prayer by living it out and uniting with other believers around our city. 
I don't know about you, but I long to see more of our city come to know Jesus. Um, the, the estimate is that less than 10% of Tucsonans in, in this metro area are in a Christian church on any given Sunday. So nine out of 10 people that you meet at the grocery store or any place else are not in a Christian church. Nine out of 10 are not connected to a Christian church. Some of them may be believers, but they're not connected. But many of them aren't believers either. So our unity is going to be part of the solution to that problem in our city. Not my idea, Jesus' idea. So let me pray for you and pray that with us as I finish up our time together. Lord Jesus, thank you for leaving the safe place of heaven to come to earth, to join us in our walk here. We thank you for giving your life on the cross so that heaven could be opened up, that eternal life is knowing you, and we can know you now and we can know you into the future. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you not only um, lived out the Christian life, but you prayed a very specific prayer that gives us a strategy for following in your footsteps. And it's simply to join arms with fellow believers in our family, in our church, and in our community so that the world will come to know who you are. Lord Jesus, help us to be part of the answer to your prayer as we go forward from here this morning. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.